Hey dorks, just a quick message reminding you to head over to twitch.tv slash mindgappodcast and give us a follow. We live stream when we record our new podcast episodes and we're live streaming video game sessions on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. We're playing super rad stuff like Among Us, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, Jackbox Games, and Tabletop Simulator. Come hang out and play along with us. That's twitch.tv slash mindgappodcast. Mind Gap Podcast. Welcome to Mind Gap Podcast. I'm Doug. I'm Justin, and we want to welcome Jack. back to the to the podcast once more the mighty Tex from the Black Pants Legion. A grade D YouTuber with delusions of adequacy. <laughs> Sir, you are more than adequate, and we are so happy to have you back. Welcome. Thank you. Um, but before we get started, because we have so much good stuff to talk about, just a couple of housekeeping things. Uh, if you all don't know, uh, amongst all the places you can find our podcast, we are also particularly on Spotify. So if you have Spotify, just look us up on there. You can follow all of our episodes. Check us out on there. It's good stuff, amongst all the other places. Uh, also, uh, we do have merch available. So uh, head over to teespring.com stores slash the number two, the letter E, the number eight. Got some great gear there for you. Support the podcast. Silly t-shirts, stuff. You know, inside bits like the I will haunt your butt shirt. And you can't handle I will haunt your butt. Right See? there. You can't handle a gobby, you know, t-shirt, amongst other things. Uh, you can check that out there uh, as well. That's uh, teespring.com slash stores slash the number two, the letter E, the number eight. And then, of course, every Saturday night, we do a video game live stream right here at twitch.tv slash mindgappodcast. And last Saturday, we did a Tabletop Simulator where we played the game Concept, which was an absolute blast. Uh, we had a real fun time. Uh, we had Jared, we had Slotty, we had Noah on, and uh, it was a real shit show. If you're not familiar with Concept, it's essentially uh, a board with a bunch of different boxes on it, and you can't speak, and you have to use these cubes to, to tell like what it is you're trying to say. You're trying to get them to guess a phrase or a movie or something like that. And, uh, our friend Noah, that guy's brain works different than most people that I know. So him trying to convey a thought when he can't use his words was incredibly interesting. So him trying to get us to guess the word detective, that was 10 minutes that we'll never get back, but it was entertaining to say the least. So really good time. Uh, this coming Saturday, we're going to be playing the game State of Mind, which I actually haven't played before, but I got it on sale for five bucks. So I'm like, why not? Uh, it's basically about uh, a State of Mind unfolds in Berlin 2048 and revolves around Richard Nolan, a journalist, waking up in a hospital after an explosion, finding out that his family is nowhere to be found. And he soon realizes that the world has changed and that technology is taking over. What? And uh, the game focuses on the impact of AI and technology have on humans, as well as coming to terms with that, what manner super AI can adapt to human behavior. And I read this is very much like a transhumanism type of game. So fuck it. We'll give it a try. So this Saturday, 
8 p.m. Central Time. Come hang out. I'll play it. We'll see if it's any good. We'll have a good time. And that's enough of me talking. Uh, Tex, welcome yes, back, sir. sir. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So happy to have you back. And more importantly, you have a podcast now, which is so cool. I, I do. I it's It's been going pretty well. Uh, the Black Pants Legion podcast is one of the few places on the internet where you can find grognards grognarding 24-7. And we have a lot of shit we argue about, from Warhammer 40k to Star Trek to the uh, madness inherent in game design companies. Uh, we also argue about the workplace and many other things. And, well, it's a collection of swear words inebriated most of the time. And I, I have to say, I've listened to a few episodes of it. It's very enjoyable. And um, it's, 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 you guys talk a lot about different levels of nerd dumb throughout there from tabletop games to things like Warhammer 40K to uh, Battle, uh, Battle, Jesus, BattleTech, right? Oh, yes. I was yes. like, Battle Mac. I'm like, yes. that's not it. Well, that is a thing <laughs> in the setting. So I will give you that point. <laughs> Oh, my God. Uh, Noah Reno says, holy crap, the voice. He's gorgeous. So, Tex, you are uh, loved. I'm a 2D painting. <laughs> oh, yes. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, so what, what prompted you to start your own podcast? Well, a uh, guy in the Black Pants Legion, friend of mine by the name of Digs with Hands, uh, people in the Legion all have different uh, nom de guerres, as it were. Um, we all have Legion names, and it, it's kind of like a frat. So Digs with Hands, it's got a fun story behind it. But um, he was like, you should do a podcast. Let's just do a podcast. Come on, do a podcast. And I acquiesced, and he joined me on the first one. So he's a big encourager of mine. Uh, especially when I'm feeling low, it's good to have someone who can pick you up. And that's where we started. And now we're 26 episodes deep and we're trying to do at least one a week. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been really fun to just sit down with friends, have a few drinks and, uh, you know, make an ass of yourself. <laughs> I think we that's get the best that. part about, yeah, that's the best part about having a podcast is that you're like, I can be as big of a dick as I want to. And it's my podcast. Yeah, well, I I usually sign off with you can't downvote a podcast. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. that's a that's a good point. No, because that's I, funny yeah. and accurate. Because <laughs> I I I think uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna send some compliments your way, Tex. So prepare oh, yourself. No. Yes, get All ready. Right. Get ready to get uncomfortable. Mm. So um, I I admire what you do. Because, and you, you talked about this on your podcast, and part of it is that you create what you want to create, and you don't give right. a shit about anything else. And I think that's incredibly uh, respectable, because I think, I, I'm, I don't want to butcher this, but you had mentioned something about, I don't know if it was a, a relative of yours that talked about the old radio DJs or yes. radio shows they used to listen to, and um, how they were still memorable to them to this day. And your sort of approach to be like, I'd rather make something that I really want to, that I really passionate about for a small number of people than have a million people see my stuff and forget it the next day. Well, right. It's, it's better to do a goddamn great job for 10 people and really get to know them and appreciate them and their feedback and grow as a person than it is to create a meme that's seen once and discarded like tissue paper. Yeah. I th and I think... What's great about what you do is 
you're obviously very passionate about what you do and you you've found also a collection of people that are also just as passionate about oh, yes. about the content usually usually so what a great community right like oh of course it's it's unbelievable to me to be able to find that stuff and to be able to create what you want and have that that community that really appreciates what you do i was Ooh, talking to yes. I was talking to Doug about about your podcast and just about your in general, like what you do. And I think you kind of embody that uh, the advice that everyone gives is do what you love to do, do what makes sense to you and you will find your audience. There are people out there who will like it. It might be niche. It might be huge, but people will find like minded people will find what you're doing and you'll find that audience. And I really think like what you're doing is the embodiment of that. I appreciate hearing that. Um, and the reason I, I look at it this way is if you want to be mainstream, it's very easy to be mainstream. It's very easy to talk down to people. It's very sure. easy to boil yourself down to the lowest common denominator. It's very easy to play video games and fake jump at scares. It's very easy to do all of these things that are so very, very popular right now. But every time you do that, you sell a little bit of that genuine bit of your soul and if you guys right now as a podcast wanted to talk about trending political news or the biggest drama that you could find or this or that i'm sure you would have fame but you would cease to be who you were right. and the people who appreciated you for you would move on and all you would have left is that shadow of yourself god damn that's poetic poetically said yes because uh, I mean, we've we've had that because our our podcast format is random as hell, right? Like we just yeah. talk about whatever, you know. Like we, well, right. And so, like, but, it's hard to be like, how do we take this and package this if we were to, right? To get kind of gross with it, right? How do we package this and be like, who wants to sponsor what we do? Because we're all over the place. It's like, what's our demographic? I'm like, I don't know. Some some people out there, but what I love about what we do is it's honest. It's something well, that we, we, every week we come in, we're like, what do we feel like talking about? And right. we've gotten a little more organized with it nowadays, which is good. Special thanks to Slotty for helping us stay I, organized. In I that would world. say you're on the right path because if you're, if you're doing something earnestly and honestly with a thousand percent of your effort and you're driving yourself from that place, the success you will find is going to be honestly won and it will keep you humble but it will also reward you with true friends and real associations. And you will know that deep down, you didn't take the easy road. You didn't take the quick payoff. You built something wonderful. My grandfather told me that if you put down a brick a day, you will have a house by the end of your life. I love that. I man. absolutely love that. This is inspirational, man. Like, I knew this was going to be a good podcast, but I wasn't expecting this, and it's awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I can, I, I can also make... i all of this. <laughs> the Jervis goes, can I have that clipped as my daily affirmation? Yes, you can, sir. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can also make fart jokes and every, everything else, but it's, it's just when it comes from the creative process, it's so easy and so alluring to sell out because there is money there. But the problem is, is if you make money before you're wise enough to spend it well, you will be <laughs> poor in spirit, but also fucking broke. And no one likes a sad, broke asshole. So it's, it's best to be honest and earnest. 
No, I agree. Yeah, and we, I think that's what's sorry, Justin, didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, I was just gonna say we've seen that story play out hundreds of times before in the in the in the headlines of the entertainment sections. So that's a that's a very true word spoken. But go ahead, Doug. I was gonna say I think that's what's so beautiful about podcasts, right? Is we control this this podcast. You know, I've I've yeah. heard so many comedians talk about how they're like, I love my podcast because I'm my own boss. I can say right. whatever the hell I want. And I'm good to go. Like they don't have to answer to a network or get notes from like a producer or a net, right. you know, anything like that. They're just like, this is what I'm doing. Either you like it or you don't. And what's great about that too is again, it just sort of enhances the community, right? You just like, this is my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm putting out content similar to, you know, aside from your podcast, you have a great YouTube channel uh, where it's, you put it's out. It's an okay YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> I know you're being humble. I know you're being humble, but seriously, it's a great, it's a great channel. You put out regular content and it's, it's, it's stuff that is, you know, your Battletech stuff. It is space station 13. It is on and on and on. I mean, hell you produced an epic documentary about oh, Battletech. Lord. I, right? I produced uh 10 of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. In the last year, uh, Takes most documentarians about a million dollars and a team of about a hundred people. Uh, right now it's me and Mike and we turn them out about every 60 days. Yeah. And how long are they I feature length? Uh, they're feature length. Yeah. They're, they're one to two hours. Um, and I mean, we're sitting there scoring them. I mean, we've got artists that work for us now who do everything and it's beautiful. And, and being able to do that, um, is because again, I did it my way. I said, this is what I want to make. Right. If I wanted to be very popular. I could have done a thousand other things, but they wouldn't influence the world in a good way. I would just be making more noise and not music. You know what I mean? Ooh. Right. Yeah. That is, that is exactly, I mean, that's the mentality. That's why I love indie film so much. And that's why I think a lot of the people who listen here kind of share the same sentiment is that, that is the artist truly just uninhibitedly going, this is the film, this is the story I want to tell. So you, you're taking a very indie filmmaker approach to it and doing getting the story out exactly the way that it's in your head. Well, right. And yeah. that's the brilliance of indie filmmakers or people without bosses who tell them you have to ladle right. out this slop for people. <laughs> if, if you say, I'm not going to make 100 gallons of slop, I'm going to make one goddamn brilliant meatloaf, you can do that. Right. Yeah. Wolfslore in the chat said that's one of the reasons why I respect Kevin Smith. He does what he wants, a very genuine person. Even some of his movies, he doesn't care that they're not particularly good. He just makes the movies he wants to make. And that's. Well, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I like Clerks. I did not like Chasing Amy, but I mean, you know. Yeah. So fuck you, Kevin Smith. No, I don't want to say <laughs> I'm that. Kidding. To him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Seems, <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I respect that. Like, I think any chance, you know, because you actually on one of your podcasts, you asked, you know, I think it was Mike, the editor. Is that his name? Yeah. And um, you were asking him like, hey, if he had unlimited funds, what would what would he make? You know, if, if he could do a series justice, which we'll definitely get to later. The idea of how would you do it right? You know, like the idea of taking that, because I think that's something that is always sort of like, what would you do if you won the lottery sort of situation? It's like, my brother would ask me this all the time. He's like, if you could make any superhero movie, what would you do? If you had keys to the castle, what would it be? He goes, for him, he's like, I want to do X-Men. I want to make, I want to do X-Men right. I want to do it the right way. And uh, it's always fascinating to look at that, which is what I appreciate what you're doing with Battletech. 
because that is a property that I personally don't know a lot about, but I can tell that there's a great response from the community. We were like, I want to tell this. I want to give backstory. I want to do lore. I want to cover all these things and you're doing it, you know, the right way. You're giving it the, um, the, the love it deserves. And obviously there's been a strong fan reaction to it. Oh yeah. I mean, one of the things that I was really astounded by in one of my videos, one of the guys who wrote the setting reached out to me and we've actually had a good chance to talk on a number of occasions. But one, one of the people I love who's a filmmaker is uh, Ken Burns. Um, if you said, Hey, let's make a, you know, 10 part series on fucking baseball. You're like, no, that's not going to be interesting. And then like, you're watching it and you go, Oh my God, I'm getting sucked into that. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool. So I just want to commend you for everything that you're doing and yeah, bravo and keep there. it up too. Yeah. Just keep oh. doing you. Yeah, yeah I, I have to. I don't know how to be anyone else. <laughs> and we are all goddamn fortunate for that. We're the better for it. So we are. You know, it's 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 really cool. I also I appreciate how you approach your Patreon too, which is essentially like, hey, um, <laughs> Doug's been talking about this for a week. He he is so <laughs> in love with this concept. I love this. Tax, if you're not familiar, basically says don't 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 contribute. Like, don't contribute I, to the Patreon. I do. I, I tell them, <laughs> hey, it's the end of the month. Uh, I know you guys paid me for a month or whatever, but it's going to end in a few days. You're about to get hit. Here's what you could buy instead. And I make a list of things or I'll tell them not to do it. And I just remind people. And I get messages. People like, hey, man, thanks for reminding me. I have some other bills coming up. And then I would have slipped this. And I'm like, hey, well, you know, good things. Go out there. Have fun. Right. Um, you know, I, I insist people pay their real bills first. Don't place, you know, don't pay some weirdo asshole on the internet just because I make a stompy robot documentary you like. I mean, come on. And I'd, I'd make it regardless. I'd make it if, if I had zero dollars. Right. It'd take longer, but, you know. Yeah. I appreciate that approach to it because you're very much like a nonprofit organization. You're like, Hey, if you want to fund this, cool. This is what I'm going to do. Like you said, I'm doing it no matter what. If you want to fund right. it, great. But this is this thing that I'm doing. And, uh, you know, yeah, if you want to be a part of it, that's cool. Otherwise, yeah, go pay your rent. Go buy food. Go yeah, I mean, think, think about how many Totino's pizza rolls you could buy. <laughs> <laughs> Enough to cover sadness. And you go for it. I mean, Totino's pizza rolls brought to you by depression. <laughs> Brought to you by economy? I don't know. Oh my god! Well, that's they sell it by the pillow, right? They they don't they don't sell it by because no, there's the hotel pillow sized, and then there's like grandma's pillow sized, you know, and those are the two sizes of Totinos, and it 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 should just say Totinos. Eat this, you know you you're just gonna make the whole thing at once, and they come out like a big old stack of fucking charcoal briquettes. You just like. Put that shit in the oven. Time to play D and D. It's Tatino's night. Yeah, I think I think it is funny how they actually have servings on there. As if anyone, I challenge anyone to tell me they've actually read the nutrition facts or the serving, the recommended yeah. serving size on the back of a Tatino's. You haven't. Yeah, no, nobody does. It's, no Tatino's is how <laughs> how many can I fit on the cookie tray? <laughs> can I do two bags? Okay. Do I need yeah. a bigger cookie tray? <laughs> exactly. 
Friedel asks, exactly. how many Totinos fit in a 55-gallon drum? You know? Uh, that's that's a BPL joke. We were trying to figure out how many um, hot dogs we could put in a 55-gallon drum. You know, like survival for as a survival food. Is this like a jelly bean challenge? How many jelly beans are in the jar? How many, well, what, how many hot dogs guy, in a 55-gallon drum? Well, one guy calculated it out to like 2,700. And and so we said, how do you get them out? Like, do you open the spigot and fish them out from the bottom, or do you like have to get the big wrench and pop the top? These are questions, guys. I know. <laughs> did Logistics. We, we need to know. Did we ever settle on a method for extraction? Uh, well, one of the guys said two, two, three, as in the rifle caliber. Um, but I said that that Whoa, thing would hiss this. just pow. <laughs> That'll do it. That's what the you best part is. Any hot dogs that get hit by that bullet are going to be cooked, so you're good to go. Yeah, they just right. roll out of there. And, and <laughs> we said, you know, you could store them on the side of the highway to absorb crashes. Slotty car accident. It's party style. You have a batch on the yeah. side, and people just walk by, grab from the drum, and move along. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Feeding crowds has never gotten easier. Right. <laughs> Bobbing for wieners. There we go. See? Wait, I think I did that in high school. <laughs> anyway, that, is, uh, that so... is the face of regret. <laughs> or is it? Mm. <laughs> God, that looks so gross and phallic. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Thank you for that. It was a good timing. So um, I want to reference a very special character you brought up in one of your episodes of your podcast. I'm excited for this one. Uh, as specifically known as the Skeleton King. Would you mind just oh, recapping man. who the Skeleton King is and why they were so had such a profound effect on you? All right. So let's see. So Skeleton King. Back when I was a young lad, I had taken to playing uh, the Dungeons and Dragons, as you do as a nerd. And my friend's kid brother wanted to play, but he was a real pain in the ass with an exceptionally poor attention span, so it never really worked out. However, what he really wanted to do was be the dungeon master, the guy in charge, the person who tells the story. So, for a frame of reference, this is a kid who would throw tantrums, and I mean all out pounding the floor with his fist tantrums when he didn't get his way. He, uh, well, he'd demand to play D&D with us. And when we kicked him off the table for messing with people or throwing dice or talking over folks, he'd go scream and cry at his mom, who would then come out and scold us. <clears throat> the kid was more or less the chosen child of the family, and we had to be nice to him. So, flash forward, this kid wants to be the DM, and his mom forces us to let him be the DM at least once if we want to continue playing games in the garage. So, fine, we accept. How bad can it be? As it turns out, it can be pretty goddamn bad in a real sort of way. Day of the game, we all gather and make our characters. Kid shows up wearing his confirmation suit for church and has a three-ring binder filled with notepaper and crayon and pen and pencil and everything else is this campaign he has created for us. It's title, The Skeleton King. Hereafter... I'm going to refer to it as Skeleton King because the dude had a speech impediment and I'm not making fun of his speech impediment, but I'm using the words he used because I think it lends the story necessary gravita. So here's how the game go. 
We try to do anything off the beaten path. We try to go anywhere we want, and we find ourselves beat up by the town guards. Town guards who are resistant to everything we say and do. If we ask questions about where we are, what we're doing, or what we're seeing, or what we're saying, the kid screams, no more questions. (laughs) And then tells us what happens to us. Each and every one of us gets the shit beaten out of us by these impossibly tough and brutal town guards. And I'm talking nat 20s on the table not hurting them. Or even connecting with them. They're too fast, or he got it out of the way, or his arm is too hot, is what we hear. (laughs) Anyways, the guards knock us out, and we wake up in jail, and we try to escape, naturally. The locks, they're so tough, they break all the tools the rogue hit on his person. So he tries to pick them with what he can find, and the DM says, the lock breaks your hands. (laughs) Yes. The lock breaks his hands, and so it gets worse. We are brought into the court of the Skeleton King. Not a Skeleton King, the Skeleton King. This is important, because I asked the DM if he is a lich who is a king of the land, that everyone's being fine being an undead monster running the kingdom and all that. No more questions. Okay, fine. So there's the Skeleton King who was described as a skeleton with a cape and a crown of fire. And I think, oh, like a crown of rubies that can cast fireball or magical item or something. No, literal fire. Fire as a crown on his fucking head. So the Skeleton King interrupts us when we talk or ask questions and usually shouts at us. Every time we do something or try to act, he cuts us off, and the crowd wafts at us for being so weak. <laughs> so imagine the skeleton walking around, cape, crown of fire, being a dick, voiced by a child who is acting in the most impulsive and cruel way possible with a 1950s laugh track rolling through. <laughs> so we're sent on a quest to go retrieve some jewels or something. We go through a dungeon that's awful because the kid didn't understand things like math or maps or fun. <laughs> Soon as we get the item in question, the skeleton king wants, he appears magically and instantly and takes it from us before laughing and disappearing. Every time we get into trouble with something that's too tough, the skeleton king appears and blows it up and mocks us before leaving. In short, skeleton king is an awful deus ex machina for no other reason than poor writing or absolute boredom. <sighs> so, wow. Um, you know what's kind of crazy is a- after I heard you tell that story, um, <clears throat> there's also a lot of adults who have made their own Skeleton King in their I own. I think so, yeah. D&D Absolutely. Games, like, which yeah. also makes me sad is they've had the whole all right, you guys are level ones. We're going to put you in an impossible situation. And then a level 20 NPC is going to show up and save your ass and then mock you. And it's like, there's skeleton Kings all over. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, it's very common in film. Um, you know, deus ex machina is, is badly used by a lot of very popular filmmakers. Um, one of the ones that is, is hilarious is the movie signs M night Shyamalan signs Mm. where you have an advanced race that comes down and, and they are completely unaware that water is dangerous to them. Mm. And they are unaware that our planet contains a metric fuckload of water. (laughs) And he's like, a little girl's glass of water will save the day. And I'm like, how did this 
pass a producer. Like, you know, I, I just imagine some guy sitting back smoking a cigar weed and going, yeah, yeah, water, I'll kill him. <laughs> Print it. Because they're like, it's not about the water. It's not even about the aliens. It's about faith, you know? Uh, yeah, because that's smart. So, uh, <laughs> look, n- nothing, nothing against that as an idea. It's just if you want to talk about faith played well in movies, Book of Eli, right? Where you, you have a guy carrying a Bible and he's blind, but he puts his faith in a higher power. And that's why he does all of these things. That's a really good example of doing faith in a movie well. But like in signs, I thought it was about a bad father. <laughs> Just Also good point, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always funny what you think the themes will come out, right? Like what, what, what was on paper where like the theme of this movie is this and then it comes out something completely different. Right. Well, I mean, in, again, Deus Ex Machina is fine if used well. Like, War of the Worlds. You know, H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. These aliens come down, they school the shit out of the British Empire at their zenith, and then they die to the cold. That's wonderful. It right. shows the fragility of life in a way that affects everyone. And it's, it's like, wow, what a great Deus Ex Machina, because we were fucked, and this is great. And then you start to think on it, and then you look at bad Deus Ex Machina. You know, like signs or like Independence Day, you know, mm. I, I love the mm. movie Independence Day, but it's a guilty movie. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, because because you have a huge alien fleet coming to Earth, obviously far more advanced to us. And then suddenly they are not able to stop 1996 computer hackers who are just like, I'm going to upload a laughing skull and the computer going to break and then we <laughs> blow them up. The, the moment I realized my brother was like, he called that out. Of like you realize yeah. that somehow this Windows ninety five was compatible with alien technology <laughs> to yeah. be able to upload that, and then that was like a really because Independence Day. I mean, that was an awesome movie when it came out for me. I was just like, yeah, woo, action, so cool. But then, you know, you get a little bit older, you start seeing some things, and I was like, oh, right. That's a yeah, I mean, of, uh, yeah. why, why would you go release a computer virus when you could go in there and release, I don't know, bird flu? There I mean, go. just go in there and be like, <laughs> just bring sneeze. me to your leader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Like just them existing in those ships was probably bad enough for them, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Just, just go in there with a whole crate of all the viruses and just go in there and drop it on the floor and be like, what now? Checkmate. Okay, Jervis goes, wasn't that because we got our computers by reverse engineering theirs? All right, Jervis, let's not let's not wander too far, far down this road, okay? I, I'm, I'm sure the writers of that movie were like, yeah, that's the ticket. <laughs> Roland Emmerich was like, yes, that's exactly what it is. You can tell it's a Roland Emmerich film just because of how many goddamn people are in it. Because yeah. he loves extras. Oh, he does. I mean... another he, he, A lot of his movies are guilty pleasures for me. You know, The Patriot... Oh, yeah. Also, Mm -hmm. a classic. (laughs) Shitload of extras. (laughs) Oh, yeah. My favorite one about that movie is like we're taking contemporary uh, ideas and imposing it on our heroes in the past. Yeah. So that we know that they're the heroes. (laughs) Yeah. And it's it's the thing is it's it's such a weird movie because I am a historian by education. And I'm like, tell me more about this. (laughs) So I, I watch it and I'm like. Everyone has really nice teeth. <laughs> but it's hard to have a hero with like, you know, a bunch of pox sores and then like a bunch of fucked up teeth. And he's like, I believe in freedom. And they're like, oh, shit. 
That guy has breath like a mule's ass. <laughs> and not only that, let's be clear, that guy does not care about freedom. I mean, no. that guy 100% does not care no. about freedom at all. <laughs> at that time period, no. <laughs> oh, but that being breath said. Breath like a donkey's ass might need to be the pull quote for this entire, that needs 100% needs to be. Well, you have to understand, like, our founding fathers, like, George Washington had, like, no teeth, okay? <laughs> he had no teeth. He was a wealthy motherfucker. If the wealthiest man, <laughs> a huge <laughs> landowner, has no teeth and is in poor health, what do you think a commoner is going to have? No he's shit. going to have a mouth like a goddamn graveyard, and he's going to walk around, and there will be visible stink lines. <laughs> Oh my God. That's so perfect. That's so true. So Doug, real quick, let me throw this out there. Cause there's a yeah. movie I know that you love that some people online have said has a, is, is guilty of a deus ex machina, uh, guardians of the galaxy where his dance moves at the end seem to save the day. Yeah. That, uh, okay. Look, I, the whole movie's silly. I'll give you that. I love that movie. It's goofy fun. It's, I do it's, too. A, it's, it's a popcorn movie. You know, I mean, it's got a talking raccoon. Yeah, it's got a talking raccoon. So there's your level of, you know, sense. That, that is your yardstick. And that's <laughs> fine. If a dance move is, shouldn't be the thing you're upset about. It should be the talking raccoon. But I understand the deus ex machina. Like he starts dancing. But what if this alien had never seen something so beautiful and soulful in his life. I have a hard time arguing. (laughs) And it just, it just moved him. It was, you know, maybe he grew up in an oppressive culture and deep down he just wanted to dance. And when he saw someone so brave do it, he was stunned for that one precious moment. I think that's how it exactly plays out because Ronan is like, what are you doing? Yeah, he doesn't know what dance is. You won me over. That yeah, he doesn't yeah. know what that gyrating hips. He's like, he doesn't know. Does that look like a guy that has had much happiness in his life? No, I mean, intergalactic warlords don't have slumber parties as a kid. You know, you know, like because when they're eight, they don't have sl- slumber parties. They're like, you will go grab the skull of Scarthak the Great and bring it down from the. Ma-. I mean, you know, they they're, they don't get a gentle childhood, so it's it's you know, probably shocked him a bit. Maybe it scared him a little. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take to the forums now and I'm going to defend this movie tooth and nail to everyone who has that argument. So thank you for that. You've given You're me welcome. you've given me what I need. I consider shit posting to be my real master's degree. <laughs> That's where I'm really at my best. Um, so thinking about Skeleton Kings um, in, in particular, like, do you find or can you think of an example of a personal skeleton king like in from like a movie or uh, a game or something where you're like we'll see what happens with this and for some reason you feel like i don't know well in video games it's all too common because think about how many video games you've played god i sound old saying that back in my day playing the video game (laughs) i remember when there were eight pixels um so yeah uh yeah right when when it 
when it comes down to video games, there's always that problem in RPGs where you run into the boss and you can't defeat him yet. He beats you up and you're supposed to lose. And then he like mocks you throughout the game and blah, blah, blah. And it's a way to drive the player to finally feel good when they beat them. But I, I find that that's an overused trope, sadly, because people don't know how to portray powerful individuals because i i think in all honesty if you're a level one give a fuck and the big bad guy that's the dread emperor of the universe is 100 give a fuck why would he even know you exist you know like most most of the game he should not even know person until finally he's like yo you're that guy who came out of nowhere and blew up one of my ships like and he'd probably offer you a job, you know. <laughs> and be like, wow, I have some really dumb people. <laughs> it's actually Would a good you like point. to be head of operations? <laughs> There's an opening. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point because, uh, you know, to quote one of the most probably renowned and, and, and loved movies, Street Fighter, um, there's a part in that oh, yes. movie where Raul Julia's character as Bison, you know, turns to... Chun-Li, because she's like, you killed my father and destroyed my village. He goes, to you, that was, you know, one of the hardest days of your life. And to me, it was a Tuesday. You know, like, right. he didn't right. know. He didn't care. Well, yeah. You know? And it's it's one of those things where if if you, you know, if, like, let's say it's the Soviet Union. Let's, let's use an empire. And you have Stalin, bad guy. And... You are a you you want to bring down his reign of terror and you write a letter to him that says, I will destroy you and I am creating an alliance of good and blah blah blah. And he would look at that and go "Eh," and throw it in the fire because you are not on his radar. You are an individual, you are insignificant. I mean, that's why people like Darth Vader work so well in movies. He just addresses people and he's like, Here's your job. They fuck up, he kills them. Okay, who's next in charge? Here's your job. He treats people like powerful people treat people. Right. And that the problem is, is that people don't understand the point of view when it comes to engagement in like video games. They say, oh, well, the bad guy has to taunt you the whole game. Why? Don't they have other shit to do? I mean, it, when you're walking around and you're thinking of, I need a challenge for the day, you're not going to go, I'm going to go down to the cancer ward at the local hospital and pick some fights. You're going to go, no, you, you, you don't look, look down on people who are weak. You look for a genuine challenge for the self. If you were a bad guy, I'm not, I'm not saying you literally, you right. Jesus Christ. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, if you were out there looking for a challenge as a boxer, you're not going to go to the hospital and find someone on death's door. And, and that's how it's conveyed in movies and games and so on. You know, Darth Vader is not going to go out and pick a fight with a random Ewok. He's going to go find someone of substantial challenge. And people don't do that well in movies. And I think it's because a lot of people go, well, of course the bad guy's going to taunt the hero. But that's very much a 1930s way of doing things. That's an old film trope. Sure, yeah. It's the old Dick Tracy style uh, radio play of the the villain twisting his mustache, and you know, it doesn't have. There's no depth. There's no depth or or, or basis in reality. No grounding of that of that villain. Right, and, and and that's that's the thing. Is like a villain has to have his own agenda. A villain right. has to be believable because a villain's trying to accomplish something. 
Exactly right. The villain's entire agenda, their entire MO can't be stopping this person that up until this point they've never heard of. Right. Right. And and that's the thing is it's like, you know, a really good way of showing a villain that's even chaotic would be like the Dark Knight where you have the Joker. Well, the Joker's not at war versus Batman. He's at war versus society. Right. Batman is just an impediment on his goal to overturn society. So that's why he fucks with him. But for the most part, he's out there spreading chaos and furthering his agenda. The good exactly. bad guy does that. Good bad guy has something to do and seeks to do it. And I find that in film, often enough, a bad bad guy just exists to torment and serve as foil to the hero. And that's a bad yeah. counterpoint for a hero. No, that's a good point because, you know, it's funny because Slotty in the chat says, think of all the evil plots that would have been completed if these villains had had some damn focus. But it's true, right? Like if, if, because that's that's what makes them compelling. Because they're trying to achieve something, and I mean, go Lord of the Rings, Sauron, right? His goal yeah. is to get the ring, and he doesn't know that hobbits have it. Maybe to some degree he does, but he's like, I'm here to destroy men and take over yeah. Middle Earth and everything like that. He's not like popping up going like Frodo. <laughs> You know, he's yeah, just he's, like, he's not haunting Frodo's dreams. And no. He's not Freddy, Freddy Kruegering tormenting these like little people. No. Right. I mean, he only sees him when he puts the ring on and then he has his underlings go handle it. I mean, really, if There's we put a, this in, in real life terms, it's like you have a very specialized thing that you do at work. Right. I mean, let's just say yeah. you're really good at, you know, making videos. Right. That's your jam. And someone was like, hey, Tex, um, you know, can we have you go uh, go outside and get the mail, bring it in? You're going to be like, hey, like, that's not why I'm here to do. I'm not here to get the mail. I'm here to make these videos. Like, yeah, but we need you to go well, get why? the mail. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it does stack up. And, and maybe, <laughs> I got some, maybe, maybe I got some bacon in there. But uh, <laughs> the, the thing, hey, you know, there's plenty of places that will mail you bacon. Um, but the, This episode brought to you by butchersbox.com. <laughs> Should have done it 1940s radio style. Brought to you by Broma Seltzer and Alton Spock Plugs. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, bad guys at a high level of power should have a global outlook on things. Yeah. I want to rule the world, not I want to fuck with James Bond. You know Exactly, yeah. You have minions for a reason. There, There's a really great document, not, documentary. It's a... Uh, I guess you they consider it a documentary. To me, it was just a very long show uh, on HBO, HBO Max, whatever the fuck it is now. Uh, it goes over uh, DC villains. The entire thing is dedicated to DC villains. And it, it actually touches on quite a bit of what we're talking about now. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting watch to listen to the different tiers of villains that DC have made. They're like, there's your street villain, which is basically your burglar who just wants yeah. to rob a bank and get away with it. Then there's those like Penguin who their entire goal is to overtake Batman and to be the big boss of Gotham. And then there's those on the global uh, scale like Lex Luthor doesn't fuck doesn't care about Superman. Superman well, yeah. gets in his way. And then right. there's the galactic ones who just want to literally destroy the universe. And it's interesting to see their different uh, M.O.s as you tear up like that. Right. And it's it's ambition is everything to villains. They, they should have an ambition to do something other than fuck with a guy. Right. No, I, 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 <laughs> when you I put it that way, it's just like, yeah, you're right. 
and I understand a revenge plot. I mean, I, I get Macbeth. I, I do love my Shakespeare. I, I really understand why you have a revenge plot. Revenge is a hell of a motivation. It's a hell of a motivation. But revenge shouldn't be the only motivation. It should be, I need to gain power so I can do this, so I can do that. And on the way, if I could get that guy who got me, that would be great. But, you know, it's, it's a means to an end. And unfortunately, most Hollywood script writers, and especially video game uh, antagonist writers, tend to write these characters that are just, you know, and <laughs> I'll get you do right. <laughs> what in your mind is, if you can think of an example of a really good villain in a video? Oh, man. Okay, let me think here. I, I really find that there are a lot of very interesting evil characters that are not necessarily straight up villain. Mm-hmm. Um, Knights of the Old Republic comes to mind because you have a robot by the name of HK-47 that loves to kill people. <laughs> and he is absolutely villain. But that is his purpose. That is his literal job. And since it is his only job to do, he finds joy in it. And so you start asking yourself, is it wrong that he finds joy in something so terrible? Because that is his narrowly defined He finds glee in it. He loves to kill people. And you start going, well, eh. And you start asking him about his life. And he tells you about all the people he killed. And he's just happy to talk about it. Does he try to stab you in the back? No. Of course not. You're his pal. So you start to think, well, he's a bad guy who's helping. And if you're a good character, choose to be good. It's this hilarious counterweight to your character. And so someone being evil can be really interesting, especially if they're helping you do your job. Um, but, I mean, if you're looking for a really well-written, um, really well-written antagonist, uh, same company, Bioware, uh, Mass Effect 1, mm. you have a guy who's seeking power from something he doesn't even understand that is ancient and unknowable. And he seeks great power for himself. It's a great bad guy because he's being corrupted by it. Well, that's, that's always interesting. And that's why I, I hesitate to go down this road because I know how you feel about it, Tex, but Warhammer 40 K. Well, <laughs> to a point. <laughs> It has I, begun. I, I will say this. Um, I, I, I took the ice cube out of my whiskey. So <laughs> I do not hate Warhammer 40K. I hate Games Workshop. That's a company fair. which sells five cents of plastic for $50 that has continually killed its specialist design games, that has continually shit on its fans, that has continually sold fewer and fewer models for more and more and more that thinks a tiny pot of paint is $20 that thinks a pamphlet of a book is $30 and sells a core rule book for a hundred. I hate that company and I hate how they treat their fans because the fan base is the core, beautiful beating heart of everything. And they have turned their back on their fans so many times. They, killed dark heresy which was the rpg set in warhammer 40k they yanked the license away from them so they could make more money they killed all of these wonderful specialist games like necromunda gorka morka um battlefleet gothic 
they just destroyed them because they were like, it's not profitable. And they have continually to, tried to raise prices to justify a bottom line, which is just all about money. They don't give a fuck about their fans anymore. And when you see people go down that road, you know it leads to ruination, which sadly does not result in a better product for the person. Because I believe in the wonderful walking democracy that is capitalism. Because if I don't like your shit, I can walk away. Yeah. But That's the true. problem is, mm -hmm. the problem is with this is they are continuing to build people and then they will eventually shoot themselves in the foot. And then it will sell out to another company. And it will get owned by somebody who gives even less of a f <sighs> And you'll find what you love strangely mutated, boiled, and melted like placing plastic action figures in the microwave. And you will slowly see what you love become something you don't recognize anymore. But that is just my opinion. <laughs> you are free to enjoy whatever you <laughs> Free to enjoy whatever you like. Uh, and that is the uh, correct opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, uh, first of all, I agree with you. Games Workshop has this ridiculous grip on its intellectual property, and it just strangles the life out of it. I mean, the countless amount of shitty games that they've allowed to be licensed that horrible. Oh, they don't care. No. They, they're, they're, and that's, that's the thing, is <laughs> if you go into games that have been licensed by games workshop people are like oh my god have you seen this so fucking cool it's the greatest thing ever and i'm like well yeah i've saw the trailer the trailer looks fucking neat uh the game's not <laughs> i already, already pre-ordered eight copies and you're like hold on hold on a second if i show you a picture of a big mac right do you want to go get a big mac or do you want to go get a real well you're probably going to want to go get a real bird because you've seen a lot of pictures of Big Macs when you drive by a McDonald's or see a McDonald's commercial, but you never quite get that fucking burger from the picture, do you? No, Thank you get a smashed, half-made piece of shit. That's <laughs> Games Workshop. So they're showing you that burger, and you're like, oh, man, I'm hungry. I've seen this commercial all fucking day. And you go buy it, and you're like, ah, God damn it. No, I think that's a good point because, um, you know, the fan base is obviously rabid and they want to see a good product release so i think they're willing they have hope well of but course at some point it's, that it's, hope is going to get squashed but they're like well, right. did you see this this screenshot it looks so good and you see it oh, and you're like oh, yeah you know well, it's it's and that's the thing is i tell people guys if you don't if you get burned don't give people money yeah. and it's it's one of those things where people go why are they still doing this? Well, you're still buying their shit. So that's <laughs> you voting with dollars. Each yeah. dollar is an ecumenical share in their corporation. Yeah. You keep giving them dollars. That's like a pat on the back for them. If you stop giving them dollars, they'll go, maybe I fucked up. <laughs> and they might change. I think, too, like they, they seem to refuse to adapt to modern times of how people play games and how they um, do, you know, like especially in the pandemic, right? How many people are out there playing tabletop Warhammer 40K right now? Probably not many. So it would make sense to have some sort of digital format for the stuff to exist. You can do that stuff on Tabletop Simulator. Of course you can. Of course. Um, of course. And because I, if they find out, they go after it. Yeah, they are real, real hardcore about going after that stuff. But I'm like, man, if you guys would just adapt, you know, well, yeah, you know, and I find mean, a way to appeal to those those sorts of things. I think you you you'd be surprised 
how much how how much more you can open up the doors to. I mean, if you want to speak their language, more money. Well, and here's the thing is they have a chance right now to print money like crazy and they're not doing it because a lot of people have 3D very good scans of Games Workshop products and they're like, hey, can I 3D print these? And they're like, no, you can fucking blow me. And it's <laughs> like, well, since you have that attitude, I'm going to go ahead and 3D print these. And unless you're willing to come try to kick my door in, in which case you better send more than six, it's not going to work. And so the thing is, is if they gave a license, hey, you want to buy an army? Here's a license to print as many fucking models. Here's our original print or charge per print or something like that. They could encourage not only a 3D printing market because every game store at that point would have a 3D printer. Wow. Think about how much shit they would sell. Oh, man, I just bought an army. They're printing it now. I can go pick it up Thursday. Not waiting to see what models I need. Oh, I need two from this box and one from that box. It gives the customer more authority over what they want to purchase, and they're not wasting money. But that's the problem. Games Workshop wants you to buy those eight different kits. Yeah. Because they want to sell you a cardboard box containing a dollar's worth of plastic for 80 bucks. Other fuckers. Indeed. God damn, you're quick with that. <laughs> uh, the reason why I brought up Warhammer 40k because you talked the idea of corrupting, right? Uh, a villain yes. who becomes corrupted. And that's the one thing I always really enjoyed about the Warhammer 40k universe is the idea that at any given time, you could give in to the whispers of chaos Oh, sure. Corrupted. And, and same thing with like, you know, uh, Dragon Age, you know, in that game where people oh, can yeah. give into blood magic at any time. You know, if you're just if you're willing to, you know, if it's like the ends justify the means, you can see that corruption happen. That's always been fascinating to me, seeing that kind of stuff happen. And that is interesting. I mean, I, I find it very interesting, the, the notion of corruption, because that's something that I think thematically games isn't done very well. And it's also not thematically done well in movies because if you look at why people do things, nobody wakes up one day and goes, ah, yes, today I'm going to kill a hundred babies and then I'm going to strangle some puppies and then I will burn the world. No one does that. No one, no one does that. But what if like a guy was a magic user and his wife got sick and he started using all of his magic to try to save her life? And it didn't work. And he kept trying and pushing his knowledge into maybe more sketchier territory. And that started to work. And then he went into the crazier, crazier, crazier. And then he ends up killing her. But he realizes, no, it's because I didn't know enough. And that drives him to go see the dark arts or something like that. Or you, you look Fuck, at Fuck, I want to see that movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That, and, and You've hooked and, me in like 30 seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But then you look at stuff like power. Power corrupts. Because if you've ever been powerless, if you've ever been picked on, if you've ever had your ass kicked a kid, you know, you'll go to the gym, you'll go do karate, you'll go do whatever you have to do to get that kind of presence of mind back. And what if someone was powerless for long enough that they decided that society was evil? And that's what you see with a lot of these people who turn toward, you know, more criminal or, uh, violent acts they feel ostracized by society that's a believable bad guy you don't have a terrorist who hates the good guys because they're good you have a terrorist who hates the good guys government because they were denied opportunity by that government because that government sanctions made 
his government poor and therefore he couldn't go to school or he ended up in poverty or his family farm failed or he feels trod on by a giant who's uncaring and doesn't see him. And, you know, it's these make compelling bad guys. I mean, 40K has some bad guys, but they're hilariously top unintentional self-parody bad guys like i am doom fuck soul shitter and i ride a bike that runs on cocaine and you know they they like karate <laughs> chop babies or whatever and that's yeah. neat because that's like 1980s hair metal band bad guy sure but it's, it's hard to take serious you know you, you don't sit back and think about their motivations you just go well he he's got a bunch of teeth that are like razor sharp. I'm pretty sure he's evil. You know, <laughs> a lot of spikes and skulls on that guy. He's, he's probably not in the boy scout. Well, it's like that movie Chronicle that came out years ago about these teenagers who find this source of power and they get telekinetic abilities and whatnot. And Dane DeHaan ends up playing the villain in, in the movie. Like before he gets this power, he's picked on. He's sort of like an outcast. His, his dad, his mom is sick and dying. His dad, beats the shit out of him and he gets this power and he understands it better than anyone else. And he starts to realize like, I don't need to take anyone else's shit. And so like that sort of starts fueling him where he's like, why, you know, my mom's dying of this disease. I'm just going to go steal money because I can. And it's just like, right. he becomes a more sympathetic character. Cause you're like, yeah, this is what would happen. This is how these supervillains exist and how they come to fruition is these circumstances exist. They are given this power. And then that power feeds that sort of angst and it just sort of completes the full corruption of the character. And it's way more fascinating than like you said, the <laughs> I'm well, evil. It's like, okay. right. And that's the skeleton King thing. That's I talk about. <laughs> is, is it's, it's an eight year old coming up with a bad guy. Yeah, and right. if, if you looked at, if you looked at when you were eight, what were you terrified of? The thing that might live under your bed or, you know, the thing in the dark corner of your room when you turn the lights out or a, a, a loud storm, you know. Ron. That, oh, damn. What? Who's that? <laughs> was that Doug? I think that was Doug. Sorry. Huh? What? Jesus. That, that got dark. <laughs> Easy there, Cosby. So, <laughs> But when you're older and more bitter and you look at what's scary in the world, you start being scared of other things like, what if a land developer buys the land of the house you live on and you end up, you know, penniless because, you know, imminent domain? Or what if you lose your job because a company kills 80,000 job positions and it's an uncaring, if not, it, it may be not evil. It just may be an uncaring, neutral act. A company goes, nah, we're not as profitable We're killing these jobs. And you have people who are doing villainous things that are not necessarily villains. But again, you see that stratification of bad guy versus protagonist, where actions are taken unilaterally at a high level of authority that impacts the little guy. I stand by Magneto also being one of the most compelling villains as well. You know, I think so. Where you're like, I don't necessarily agree with what you're doing, but I understand why you're doing it because you've seen the worst of humanity. And right. And you're like, like nope. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to fall for that again. So uh, I'm, again, similarly, I'm more powerful than you. So why do I give a shit about you if you don't give a shit about me? Like, there's well, no right. reason to hang around here. Well, last time he played by society's rules, he almost died. So, yeah. yeah, I can see that abandonment of a social contract. I mean, that makes sense. That is a compelling character. And yeah. you won't say he's evil, but you would say certainly he's not society friendly. 
Mm-hmm. He's got some. He's a chaotic guy, you know. Sure. <laughs> same. Same with uh, you know Doug gets this one Edward Nigma from uh, Batman Forever, right? Like, guy had his job stripped away from him. He was working on some pretty uh, pretty top level shit, and then all of a sudden, the world rug just gets pulled out from under him, and he becomes a very compelling villain, right, Doug? Yeah. Doug. Yep. Okay. Yep. I think that was an autobiography for Jim Carrey or something, right? <laughs> Jim Carrey has gotten scarier the older. Yeah. And he, he's, he, he looks weird because he does this. He, de- he does these like peaks and valleys. Like he gets real yeah. weird and then like levels out and makes a lot of sense. And then gets real weird again and then levels right. out. I don't know what he's on or not on. I just don't know what his deal is but like when when i see a headline with jim carrey i i i just look at the face and i go this is a human skeleton this guy's really bugging me out like i i think he's just gonna tear his skin off and run around and chase kids and throw flaming pumpkins at him or something (laughs) (laughs) like sleepy hollow (laughs) yeah i mean i i just i just look at him and i'm like that is a tortured soul yeah 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 um, we've got a question here from a fan, the Jerbus. He's our friend all the way down Australian. He wants to know, oh, no. how do you feel about the movie Superman Returns? Which one was that? That was oh, the one. Exactly. <laughs> that was the one with, uh, uh, Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor. He did a great Lex Luthor. It turns out it's because he's a real villain. <laughs> <laughs> I already made a Cosby joke, so I can. Woo! Do this Let's just add him on, man. That was a good one. That was a good Brandon one. Roth. Alleged. <laughs> Brandon, that's right. I forgot. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. for the uh, for the purposes of this podcast, that was a joke. <laughs> uh, Jared's a big fan of Superman Returns, so he's always it's, like. It's interesting because I, I do remember that one. He was a really good Lex Luthor. Um, I don't remember anything else other than there. There was like a kryptonite island. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember two things: kryptonite island, and yeah. Speaking of Deus Ex Machina, that that kind of brings us back almost full circle because every time Superman is like, "Well, I've ended crime because you know criminals are allergic to heat vision," and and then they'll <laughs> be allergies like, for everyone. Yeah, and then and then in just nick a moment, there'll be some guy out in the Andes with like a little pick in his field, you know, sowing his field, and then he like hits a rock and looks down, and it's kryptonite. And oh, they just discovered more kryptonite, and I was like, Superman's gonna get fucked up. Yeah, right. <laughs> Someone's making that into a kryptonite bullet. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I don't find Superman that compelling, um, in general. So, uh, and I'm also, why, I, you know, like the Ubermensch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't find that relatable. Although I'll say this, uh, I think man of steel made me care about him. You know, it's a movie's kind of like divisive in how things go, but I'm like, Oh, I actually care and feel bad for this guy. Um, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, he's, he's an alien in many ways and it's interesting as a character, but like Superman, I I don't know what he would do all day because you can't be everywhere. So I mean, what what do you do? Do you just like go to the Middle East and you're like, no, stop it, no more war. I mean, what are you gonna do? Beat up a whole army? Well, yes, 
I mean, it's just a show of force, you know? Like this, you know, look, look at this heat ray vision. You can't hurt me, so stay in line. And then he flies off. It's like, ah. Uh, yeah, and then their government collapses because that's all that's holding them together. And then you're like, oh, no, I made it worse. Because, yeah, you can you can Superman up an army. You can't Superman up a food supply. You can't make, like, a million super sandwiches. No, that's true. I mean, the implications of something like that happening are more fun if you go down the tedious logistical path to me yes. are way more interesting we're like okay this guy does exist what happens to the world economy what happens right. to like <laughs> yeah like because superman my cat stuck in a tree is easy for him to fix but superman the economy just imploded and we lost 20 million jobs i mean what what's he gonna do yeah he's not I'll, there for uh the economy you know does he have super I'll credit <laughs> punch our stock market back into line was it, I there mean, was a there was a run of the there was a one storyline uh, where basically he was it Lois and his mother. There's a bunch of people who died and he like went, oh, no, Lois was killed with his child. He kind of mm, went nuts. Injustice. And and ba yeah, injustice. Yeah, basically that was. So we've seen like that is a compelling because it's like, OK, now what happens when he decides that enough's enough? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean. And, and that's that's the other thing is like I, w I was thinking in my head like going down the logistics path where you're like okay let's say the economy collapses and he's like oh I'll go get a asteroid out in the in the asteroid belt that's made out of gold and bring it down and then like the price of gold crashes <laughs> and and then it's like <laughs> you made it worse Superman <laughs> all those people that told me to buy gold are full of shit <laughs> gold four dollars a pound <laughs> yeah. Jared's not too happy about this. He's like, Brandon Ruth was a beautiful Superman. Superman doesn't find you compelling either, Doug. You guys are hitting the point exactly. That's why Superman's so interesting. He wants to fix the world, but he can't fix it all. So he does what he can. See, if I was going to write a Superman story, I'd, I'd have him, I, I would have him, like, have PTSD from all of the horrible shit he's been through. And then he's, like, at the fucking therapist. And he's trying to talk about his problems. And the therapist is like, well, who do you think you are, Superman? You can't save the world. And he just starts crying. The therapist goes, I 100% cannot relate to you. You have to leave. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Also, it's $150. Can I pay you in gold? <laughs> yeah, 400 pounds of it, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, I think that characters, good and bad, should have a motivation. Uh, characters, good and bad, video games, movies, whatever, should be relatable in understanding why they are the way they are. I, I think origin stories are very important because if you look at, for example, um, in an origin story of, let, let's take one from history. You look at Adolf Hitler. This guy was in World War I. He saw the collapse of his government. He saw a weak government replace that. And then he was fucking poor for a long time. And when you're unemployed and underemployed for long periods of time, you probably have PTSD. He did get gassed in World War I. You feel betrayed by your government. Of course he's going to seek power and do crazy shit. And that's where those characters come from. A villain has an origin story. Look at Joseph Stalin. Same thing. Abusive father. Um, you know, terrible upbringing. Famine, weakness, fighting in a civil war, slowly gaining power, shaping the world. 
feeling weak makes you seek power hmm. and you start to see your vision is the only vision. Mao Zedong, same thing. All the, all the great, you know, atrocity makers of the 20th century all had that same kind of backstory, poverty, pain, suffering. And so part of that makes you realize they are still very human, but part of it also makes you realize that if you don't take care of people when they're hurting, they can end up doing things that are very, very evil. So it's kind of being mindful. And you look at it in video games. I really appreciate a video game where you can actually talk to the bad guy and make them see where they went wrong and try to talk them down, try to make them make things right. And games like that are amazing. They're few, but they're well, I amazing. I think that's what's so cool about like your tabletop stuff, like your D&Ds and stuff like that, because, you know, assuming you don't have a Skeleton King on your hands, um, you know, that stuff is possible, right? To talk your way out of a situation yeah. just to see what will happen like can you actually you know get because obviously in those situations you know that the best villains have that kind of backstory where you're like man why is this character doing this and whatever and to have an opportunity to interact with them and see if you can actually try and talk them down and be rewarded for that as well it's not always just like all right time to bash some faces it's like how yeah. can i actually relate and you know maybe compel this person to to do something different well, right. And they may see things a different way, but it doesn't mean they're not human or they don't have an intellect or they don't have the capacity to feel. And so, you know, every, every bastard out there probably loved his mother. And that's one thing that relates. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if you had a villain who's sitting there and I, I thought this was absolutely wasted in the latest, like Batman V Superman, you know, oh. where he was like, Oh, your mom's name is blah, blah, blah. My mom's name is blah, blah, blah. Too. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, <laughs> they could have done that so much better. Like, yes, they both oh, really? have tragic How, tax? stories. I mean, I feel like it was fine the way it was. What <laughs> else could we possibly do to make that more compelling? I don't know. Act like they're not eight. Um, <laughs> I I would say that as a start because there, there was just such a weird recoil moment from there where I was like, oh, why? Why have you done this? I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Up until that exact moment, I never put that together. Yeah. And even then I was like, never. why is this going to be their linchpin? Right. Shouldn't they be like, hey, why are we fighting each other? Like there's a city burning. No, a little bit. Now we're brothers. Now Are we're we? BFFs. We're, we're gonna BFFs. go. We're gonna get on a phone plan together. <laughs> Should we take a trip when this is all over? I want to see the south of France. <laughs> Should we go to Mykonos? Uh, oh my God! A couple people in the chat said they've got a bad feeling that 2020 is the start of a few villains' backstories. <laughs> well, it's it's possible. But, I mean, <laughs> you said it's so matter of fact. Like, yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? I'm not well, gonna say it's not gonna happen. I'm a historian by training. I realize that we won't. We historians can't tell you what's going on. We look at shit a long time ago because that story's written. <laughs> the story of tomorrow is written today. So, yeah. I mean, I just tell people to be kind because, you know, maybe maybe that starving artist on the street corner trying to draw shit might grow up to be a Hitler. But if you give him $5, he might go, hey, it's not a bad day. I can buy a beer. And he might instead keep drawing, you know? <laughs> right. It's not a bad point at all. If 
it's it's little tiny acts of kindness that can be this wellspring of goodness and it's it's like right now i keep reminding people of something mr rogers said um when you see tragedy and terrible things in the world look for the helpers there's always someone out there helping and go Mm. look for the helpers out there and so yeah has 2020 been a shit year yes oh my god has it been a burning pile of dog shit but it's almost over think of it as like a really bad level in a video game you just made it past the three quarters away checkpoint you're pulling into the end just take it easy right it will end it'll be okay right there's a doug you seem this like is, you want this to... is jared he's like helpers like superman let it go jared let it Look, go just just Oof. get a t-shirt that says i survived 2020 and one day when you're old and sitting in that home and they're like what what was the hardest lesson you had to learn and be like oh let me tell you we had murder hornets and climate change we had a virus everyone said what was and then there were guys mad because they wanted to grill for god's sake god damn it and you you know you tell them that story it's a badge we survived this fucking year if you're listening to this out there right now you made it give yourself a round of applause you can get the buttered popcorn i insist that's right absolutely actually that's i've never i had not not considered it from that perspective and i very much like that because I've definitely jumped on the fuck 2020 train and it's such an, I, it's such a refreshing way just in this moment right now to just start processing it differently and thinking of it as it's a badge. We made it through this. And this is something that historically to your, you know, background, historically we will be able to look back on and say, yeah, that was, that was something I went through and here's what that was like. Well, when I was in high school, um, I turned on, we, we had, we would have the TV on in the break room at the high school before the classes started. And I remember watching a plane fly into the World Trade Center. And that was a tragic and horrible day. And right. from that moment onward, that changed everything I saw. That changed my view of the world. Yeah. Watching that happen live was like, oh my God. And things were never the same after that. Right. But that was 20 years ago. And I, yeah, and you look at that in the rearview mirror and you're like, okay, still alive. Right. Okay. So, you know what? We're, we're all, we're in this. Yeah, let's keep going. And so one of these days you're going to look back and see 2020 in the rearview. That's very true. Because at the time, I do remember the same thing. You were in the middle of that, watching it happen, watching it play out. The, un- the amount of uncertainty and the amount of just feeling like you were never going to get paid, like you were going to be living in that moment for the rest of your life. It never yeah. felt like it was going to pass. And yeah, to your point, looking back on that now, 20 years in the rear view, you're looking at it and go, okay, yeah, no, we made it through. We're better for it. And we or maybe, I don't know. And you know, uh, we live to fight another day. So. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. Every tragedy does pass and mm-hmm. you know, it's they can be big events 2020 has been a shit year but i mean i'm thinking of the fun things i did this year i'm choosing to think on the good things i did this year instead of looking at the the shit that makes me regret because you know regret is a heavy sack and the more you put in there the slower you're gonna move Mm. 
Damn it. I hope people are clipping these little clips because no this is this is just fucking gems. Like one of the things you can look back on and say this is what I did in 2020 is being another guest on Mind Gap podcast. Exactly. Right? You know? Yeah. And exactly. another thing that you can say that you did in 2020 is that you participated in the throwdown. Welcome. Oh yeah, brother. <laughs> I am the Ayatollah of rock and roller. You must expect the unexpected in the kingdom of madness. It is every episode when I say the throwdown. I wish to fuck I had Texas voice. Um, I tell you what, after this, I will gladly record for you any lines you want. To oh my clip God. out and use if, if you want to have welcome to the throwdown. I, I will I will gladly do that for you. Thank oh God, God I'm sitting down. <laughs> oh. Awkward. <laughs> Someone clip that, please. Um oh, all right. Boy. So Doug, any lead in for this or uh, you want me to get into it? I say I'll allow you to do it, sir. All right. So uh in honor of your interests, Tex, we wanted to cater this one to you. So this week's throwdown is going to be from everyone's favorite, Star Trek. And we've oh. got uh, Lieutenant Commander Jordi LaForge versus Lieutenant Commander Montgomery Scotty Scott. All right. Um, so Jordi <clears throat> versus Scotty. Scotty. Fucking <laughs> Scotty. Hands down. <laughs> one, one. Scotty could drink enough booze to float a <laughs> battleship and still do his job. Scotty knew how things worked in the real world because he would overestimate how long things took by a factor of eight and then deliver it in half the time. And he, he earned the title miracle worker. Right. Jordy LaForge had a ship that would talk to him and do all the diagnostics and everything else. Scotty was down there like, I have the sparks shooting out of the fucking transporter. And he's like putting gum and shit in there. Scotty rewrote the laws of physics to start the engines. He was like, it's impossible. And they get in there and just starts fucking turning things. Scotty wasn't afraid of shit. He just drank and did his job. He started a bar fight with Klingons because they insulted the Enterprise. Goddamn Chad legend. Scotty. All day. <laughs> well, wow. But Jordy can see in a broader spectrum than the human eye. Yeah, well, Scotty can see the beauty in a ship. <laughs> oh, God. The hits just keep coming. He can even read human vitals, including heartbeat, which allows him to tell if someone's lying. I mean, that is so useful in a fight to the death, right? Yeah, but Scotty was raised on real booze. <laughs> Jordy drank synthesized crap. <laughs> An engineer needs to be drunk. <laughs> I, you know... I'm finding it real hard to argue against I mean, honestly, point. yeah, when you, when you say... You break Scotty down like that. I mean, that guy is truly not only a genius, but that's a guy who would probably just put his fist through the wall, you know, yeah. easily. Yeah. Whereas, started like, a fight with Klingons and was winning. Like, <laughs> right. it, when you look at that episode later on, Trouble with Tribbles, he doesn't have bruises all over his face. He beat the shit out of Klingons with his bare hands after slugging down some scotch. I mean, that is an engineer because Jordy gets 
fucking beat up all the time. They like bonk him on the head or whatever. And he's like, oh, I'm out. You look at fucking Scotty. He's like, they're talking shit about my engines. And fucking roll up his sleeves, start belting people. That's the guy you want in engineering. Yeah. And that's the guy you want in a fight, Fuck. right? You want that guy to be like, Scotty, things might get crazy. He's like, no problem. He's the guy that like grabs a bottle, chugs it, breaks right. it, and then has it as a weapon to stab someone in the throat with. Yeah. I'll rip and- your fucking visor off. I don't care. Oh, Scotty. <laughs> Scotty would beat him flat. He would beat his right. head flat like a deflated football. Scotty <laughs> would beat him senseless. I just have this like v- this shot of like Scotty holding Jordy down and like those 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 doors are just going on his head. He's like, ah, I reprogrammed him. And it's just like what it would be is he would he would fix the engine by throwing Jordy into the engine and using his body as a conductor. You have to understand, like, Jordy always had the little briefcase with all the special little tools, right? Scotty, in one episode, is just cutting into the wall with a fucking phaser. He's just like, all right, we'll get in there. He didn't give a fuck. Zero fucks given. <laughs> Scotty, all day. Also, I mean, James Doohan was a World War II veteran, so I have to give that up. I mean. There you go. I, I mean. mean I find was... it very hard to argue with that. So, I mean, Doug, are, are we calling this? It's pretty definitive right there. All right, well, we're going to say Scotty for the win! Well, that was amazing. So, woo! Tell you what. Wow. Wow, Tex. This has been an absolute delight. Um, well, you should have me around more often. Uh, yeah. Drink swill and yell at the internet. <laughs> now we're talking. Um, yeah. For sure. You, you always have a standing invite here. You're always welcome. To come back. Oh, shit, hit me up. I, I, I will, I will make time, gentlemen. I'm oh, enjoying. It. You're the goddamn best. Thank um, you, sir. This is the part of the show where we like to sort of like, you know, if there's anything you would like to promote or or anything like that, if there's anything you like to recommend to listeners, uh, we we lay out the carpet for you. You are the, the the floor is yours, sir. Oh well, I would recommend to everyone to please remember this year, despite how hard things have been despite how crazy things are getting and how much crazier the news is going to make them around election season. Remember that your neighbors are not that much different from you. They probably like barbecue. They probably like their kids to go to nice schools. And they probably want to come home at the end of the day, kick their feet up and yell at the TV. So just be mindful this year. Though it may be easy to argue with people on the internet and throw slander and slang and hurt, just be nice. And if you can't say anything, just shut the fuck up. I think that about sums it up right there. Uh, also, Tex, where can people find you on YouTube's and uh, Twitter? Uh, I am BPL Tex on Twitter. The Twitter account is a shit posting account. Um, I generally just post dank memes there. <laughs> And occasionally argue with people, um, usually usually just people in, in good-natured spirits, of course. But the other thing is on YouTube, you can find me as The Black Pants Legion. I am a notable spaceman and an enthusiast for Battletech lore and many other things that play games poorly. That's my uh, motto. I love it. That's fantastic. It's going to be hard to uh, follow up that recommendation, but uh, Justin, what do you got? Well, first off, I want to uh, real quick just go through what Jared said happens to Scotty. Scotty's wife gets ill. He tries to defy the laws of nature and physics to save her and becomes the greatest galactic villain ever. 
I think he just put her in the transporter and then use the old pattern on her as like a reset, you know, and just be like, it saves scumming. You know what I mean? Just load the last <laughs> auto save and be like, eh, no more cancer. <laughs> he probably does I that every time it. he pisses his wife off. He probably right. just loads the last save before <laughs> she was mad at him. That's, how, that's how he save. gets his new liver. Right? Yeah. Load. He saves himself yeah. from jaundice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Smart uh, guy. Yeah, real smart. I like this guy. Um, I'm actually going to, so uh, Class Action Park on HBO Max. Um, in the 80s, there was a- uh, Action Park in Action New Park Jersey. In New- yes. Exactly, yes. And apparently that place was an absolute nightmare of a shit show. And that documentary is, it's funny, it's interesting, it's heartbreaking at the end. It's it's everything you'd want in a fun documentary. So yeah, give they, that they a, used to they used to call it Traction Park. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I was watching it and I I honestly was questioning. I'm like, if I was a teenager at that time, would I have gone? And I don't think I was. I think I was too much of a pussy to go. I don't think I would have gone. Or were you smart? <laughs> well. Watch the watch the documentary and you be. The I gym. want my go karts to do highway speed. <laughs> <laughs> I want my speedboats to be able to de- decapitate a person. Uh, yeah, uh, that's yeah. how you know they're good. <laughs> uh, another one I watched was Ford versus Ferrari, and I know oh, historically yeah. I do not like. I'm not a huge fan of car chases in films. They bore me often. And I know Haig brought this up. He's like, dude, that was a two and a half hour car chase. And I'm like, but it was well done. Good characters. And it was interesting. Yes. Yes. So please watch that. And uh, I'm going to say big, big, big. Do not watch Marvel's Inhumans. I watched episode one. I watched the last episode. And I regret both decisions. God bless you, sir. Horrid. Do the Lord's work. Giving that a try. Horrid. Doug, what do you got? <laughs> Uh, this, I, I'm usually late to the game, this stuff, because I have a four and a half year old daughter, so I don't get to out to see stuff right when it happens. But, uh, the movie 1917, mm-hmm. uh, phenomenal movie, really enjoyed it. It's, it's really good. Uh, I just, just decided, you know what? I'm going to just buy this shit. Like I'm going to do it. I just bought it. And I was like, don't regret it. Phenomenal movie. Highly recommend it. Nice. But. Also, uh, real quick, Tex, uh, uh, Jared says you should do a podcast for people who want to go to sleep just to tell them that uh, tell them amazing things to put them at ease before they go to bed. Oh, well, that's very nice. I, I'm not usually this upbeat, but I, I decided to try to put it on. No, <laughs> I, I, I generally I generally try to send a good message, um, even when I'm feeling bad. I, I try to always be positive um, just because, you know, I, I've I think everyone out there has had their tragedy. And there's no reason to ruin it. You should you should always try to move up. And if you can, you know, take other people along for that ride. That's one of the best rides you can take. Wow. Uh, in line with that, Jared also says he wants you to be the best man at his wedding, just so he can you can give the best toast ever. And he doesn't even have a girlfriend, let alone a fiance, but he'll find one just for your speech. Oh, cool. Um, if if I can get four drinks in, I'll I'll start quoting poetry and all sorts of really bad stuff. So. He's like, guys, let me start this toast. Adolf Hitler. Am I right? Let me tell you. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> wow. If anything, I would probably recite, uh, God, the genius of the crowd. There you go. <laughs> text, uh, uh, Frito says text poetry is majestic, and I believe it. Oh, yeah. I honestly don't. 
Yeah, I, I've I've done it on my uh, God. I've done it on stream before. Nice. Um, someone someone asked me to do a recitation. Talked poetry, but I mean, shit, I'd do it now if you wanted. Oh, oh, what do you think? Take Justin? us out. Take us out. Yes. All right. I mean, we have things after that, but take us out. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, the Genius of the Crowd by Charles Bukowski. There is enough treachery, hatred, violence, absurdity in the average human being to supply any given army on any given day. And the best at murder are those who preach against it. And the best at hate are those who preach love. And the best at war finally are those who preach peace. Those who preach God need God. Those who preach peace do not have peace. Those who preach peace do not have love. Beware the preacher. Beware the knower. Beware those who are always real. Beware those who either detest poverty or are proud of it. Beware those quick to praise, for they need praise in return. Beware those who are quick to censor. They are afraid of what they do not know. Beware those who seek constant crowds, for they are nothing alone. Beware the average man, the average woman. Beware their love. Their love is average and seeks average. <sighs> Tex. Yes, yes, please. Thank you. No problem. <laughs> Charles Bukowski was a bit of a cynic. <laughs> Still, I love it. Whew. On that note, uh, again, Tex, thank you so much <clears throat> for hanging out with us. This was an absolute delight. And we'll absolutely have you back on very soon. Oh, fine. Yeah, hit me up. Don't be strange. Absolutely. Uh, I'd, I'd, I'd be glad to uh, show up and uh, share stupid stories mm -hmm. and uh, have, a, have a good laugh. No problem. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, Justin, thank you. Oh, Doug, you going to tell everyone where to find us and everything? Or? Oh, I forgot about that. I was just so taken away by all that. I, I was know. Like, we just got to end this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it feels kind of empty to say this now. But uh, you guys can find us on all social medias at MindGapPodcast. Uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, we're all there. Uh, you can also find our YouTube channel uh, where we post uh, full episodes of the podcast, highlights from the podcast, highlights from our Twitch video game streams, and... Um, also, don't forget, uh, Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Central, we record our podcast live on Twitch. And also, Saturday nights, 8 p.m. Central, uh, we also do our live video game stream. So come hang out with us this Saturday, 8 p.m. Central, twitch.tv slash mindgetpodcast. And also, you can find Justin digitally as well. On Instagram and Twitter, at Justin underscore Michael, spelled M-I-K-E-L. It's the fun way of spelling it. And while you're in the online realm, check us out on Spotify. And Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, all the place where you can find and consume the old casts of pod. You can share us around, rate, review, subscribe, all those things. The big one for us is sharing. Please copy the link, share it to your social friends, your social crew, and let them know that you think this podcast is worth listening to. Um, 2 east com slash mindgap you can find our library there as well and then just keep an eye on two east eighth uh all the social media handles of that because we've got our super secret quarantine web series project coming out uh probably at the end of september and we are getting 
dangerously close to uh, the finish line on Sid Penrose. I know he keeps saying that, but I actually think we're going to have it done before the end of the year. Praise be. <laughs> Praise be. Now uh, you've got me intrigued. <laughs> Tex, thanks again for stopping by. Thank you. No problem. Mind Gap Podcast.